Hey everybody, welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Facebook Live. I'm Holler founder Justin Canoe. We are tnholler.com at the TN Holler. So if you want to talk to us, just reply to the stream or use the hashtag Holler Live. Today we have with us two really good people who I've come to know over the course of the last few years. Union reps, union fighters, Bonda McDaniel from the Central Labor Council and Billy Dykus from the AFL-CIO, both presidents of those organizations. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. We're great. Thank you for having us, Justin. Absolutely. Well, Vonda, I'll start with you real quick. Just tell me, how are you holding up through this ordeal? And uh, what are you doing to get through the virus times? So um, we've been sheltering in place, but we've been holding up pretty good. You know, um, we're fortunate to be able to work from home, but we've been out fighting for um, workers that have been calling us um, that are not as fortunate, that don't have the ability to work from home. So um, we're continuing to work, continuing to fight. And Billy, how about you? You said that uh, you've been putting some child labor to use. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, it's been a good time. I, I think a lot of folks are actually stepping back a little bit too, Justin, and thinking about uh, how much time they're spending with their children and their grandchildren. And uh, I've, I've taken advantage of it. Uh, you know, uh, our children don't get enough skills. Not saying our teachers aren't doing the job, but we've taken skills training out of, out of education. So, you know, when I can apply geometry to how to square a, a building and show my grandson how to do that, show him how to use a hammer instead of a nail gun and, and how to, you know, read a tape measure instead of tick marks, you know, it's sixteenths, eighths, quarters, three sixteenths, and say, hey, cut this board. And, and he can now drive a nail. When, when we first started, he said, uh, I don't understand how you drive a nail and not hit the board. And I said, well, see these two fingers I've smashed? <laughs> I smashed, smashed them enough that uh, you learn you'll learn to focus on the nail and not hit your hand. But it's been a good experience in that way. Uh, you know, we're fortunate, like Vonda said, to be able to work from home. Uh, there's a lot of folks that don't have that ability. Uh, and you know, just like we were talking about prior, you know, when kids are out of school, if you are having to go to work, somebody's got to take care of those children. And you know, if you're having to if you're having to find some place to put them. That's difficult because nobody's taking them. So what do you do? And how, what a struggle that is for people that, you know, are trying to find a way to, to live and take care of their children, you know, and then, then you've got the virus, you know, do you, do you take your grandchildren, do you take your children to your grandparents' house and, and what are, what are the potential for exposure to the, to the older folks? So it's, it's a, it's a tough time for a lot of folks, you know, Ron and I are blessed, you know, we'll tell you that. Uh, the labor movement's been good to us and it's good to the folks in the labor movement. And, you know, uh, hopefully when we move out of this thing, uh, I thought about this today, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of focus on returning back to normal. I don't think we're ever going back to normal. Uh, I, but I do think that, that it's an opportunity, especially for those people that work in those restaurants, 
that are making whatever it is, 225 an hour plus tips, which is outlandish to think that that's how it works. Uh, there's an opportunity for those individuals that are working in those areas that for us to go in and say, hey, there's a better way. Uh, there's a way for you to organize, move forward without uh, being abused at the workplace because apparently they're pretty essential because we got to get those folks back to work, you know, and, and that's kind of crazy. Well, that's right. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from all of this is which workers are essential and it's a lot of them and it's the ones that have been underappreciated for far too long. Full disclosure, I'm in a union. I'm in the WGA, the Writers Guild. You know, I ran for Congress. You guys were very supportive. And what I want to know from you guys, first of all, before we talk about the economic recovery group, which doesn't include any workers or any worker representatives, from a worker's perspective, what was the landscape like in Tennessee before this happened? You know, how supportive or unsupportive of workers, of unions, has this state been? Can you just give us a sense of the landscape? Vonda, why don't we start with you? Uh, in Tennessee, what is it like for workers and is this state government supportive? So, um I'll, I'll defer to Billy on the state landscape, but I'll talk about Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Um, every time you turn on the television, they talk about Nashville as a city on the rise. And so is the uh, regional area that Nashville exists in, in Middle Tennessee. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth, um, but, um, you know, union family, we've also seen a rise in wage theft and worker injuries in the workplace, particularly in construction. Uh, we've seen a hospitality industry that has grown astronomically. Um, on the backs of workers, um, we are seeing a slow tick up in terms of the pay for hospitality workers simply because of supply and demand. Um, but you know, those are some of the things. Um, Nash, I mean, Tennessee being a right-to-work state, employers come to Tennessee because they have the flexibility to pay workers less than they should. Um, you know what we're seeing because we haven't expanded Medicare. I mean, Medicaid expansion is we've seen rural hospitals close. Uh, we've seen you know, growth in the healthcare industry in Nashville, um, but that's from the corporate side. And now we're seeing that um, there's definitely a need for more nurses and more techs and more folks that actually do the work in hospitals. Um, so, you know, being a region on the rise, we have workers haven't exactly experienced the prosperity that we've been seeing in terms of growth in Middle Tennessee. Right, and I think it's important for people to realize that unions help keep a balance. You know, we can grow and people cannot participate in the upside of that. And, you know, over the course of our history, whether it be weekends or overtime pay or child labor laws, you know, there's all sorts of things that everybody benefits from, exactly. not just union members. And I think that gets lost in the conversation that unions help lift up the bottom for everybody and help increase 
the competitiveness for everybody. And without that balance, you end up having a lot of people left behind. And Tennessee is at the bottom in, in poverty, at the bottom in minimum wage jobs. So, you know, there is a cost that comes with the attack on unions. Billy, can you talk a little bit about that cost, about how maybe the lack of, uh, of, of worker um, empowerment has put us in a place where something as simple as a stoppage of work for a month or six weeks can put so many people on the brink of disaster. Yep. I, I think Justin, you know, Vonda kind of hit on it with the right to work issue. Uh, you know, we, we're in a right to work state and, and you even said it, look, if it was so good and the economy was booming according to the folks in state government, but if it's so good, you know, why do we have 678,000 underinsured people in the state of Tennessee? You know, why have we given away billions of our own dollars to not expand Medicaid? I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, and, and then you, you, like you said, we're, we're at the low end of minimum wage. We're at the top of the country in minimum wage jobs. So, you know, it, it goes to show you that there's more interest in making business profitable than, than it is to making people livable. And maybe I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, when we don't have enough people insured in this state and we have all these folks on minimum wage, you know, what are we really doing for the folks in Tennessee? And, 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 you know, if, you know, it's kind of like, and I, and Vonda knows me, I get on religion occasionally, but not too much, you know, uh, people of religion want other people to have it because of how good it feels. Same thing goes for being in a union. You know, you, you love it. You feel it, you know what you have and you want to share it with people. And sometimes, you know, when people uh, push back and say, well, you know, a union's not necessary anymore, or, you know, uh, you, you know, you, all you want to do is, you know, bankrupt the companies and, and it's just the total opposite. What we're there for is to make sure, like you said, everybody has an equal opportunity. Everybody has a chance to move forward and, and you know, we, we've seen it in the last six weeks. You know, I don't know how, you know, $1,200, uh, it's not going to, not going to pay rent very long. It's any, especially in Davidson County or really out in the rural counties, there's, you know, you, you rent a, a, a single wide trailer, even out in the country, it's going to cost you 600 a month. You know, how are you, how are you going to pay utilities and feed your children? Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, we're, we, we have seen what right to work's done. Uh, you can look at poverty rates around 20% in almost all the right to work states. Um, then you you know, you hear the argument, well, look, the jobs left Michigan. Car plants left Michigan, they left everywhere. They either went to the South or Mexico or China. You know, it's not like they flooded down to all the right to work states and started building multi-million dollar factories. And if they did, uh, similar to what went on in Volkswagen, they got almost a billion dollars of taxpayer money. So, so you know, you, you, we could take a billion dollars of taxpayer money and lift everybody mm -hmm. out, out of poverty. Well, uh, I just want people to know that we can see the comments. Uh, Virginia Shaw says, right to work is bad at bust unions. Uh, 
Robert Schooner says some people make less than minimum wage. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, the numbers are very clear, though, over the course of the last 40 years, that union participation and, middle, and, and the share of wealth controlled by the middle class are neck and neck there. It is undeniable. The graphs go down side by side. So the more union participation there is, the stronger unions are, the more robust middle class we have. And to me, a stronger economy is built on the back of a middle class. It's not trickle down, it's, it's the middle out. It's the more we have people that are willing to buy things, the more we have people that are spending their money that feel secure. That's how our economy is most robust and that's what history has shown us. Let's talk about what just happened recently. Um, we now have the virus. We have a lot of people in trouble, hundreds of thousands of Tennesseans have filed for unemployment, 20 million in the country over the course of the last three weeks. Um, and now Governor Lee is opening the economy back up and he has put together this economic recovery group but has left out workers and worker representatives. I'll go back to you, Billy, because you put out a statement about this recently. What did your statement say and how surprised were you or not that Governor Lee made that decision? Uh, well, basically in the statement, it, it said that it's just a travesty that, you know, nobody uh, from any working class individual is on that group as far as the industry group is, is concerned. And, and, and it doesn't surprise me. Look, Governor Lee is notoriously uh, anti-union uh, and you, you, you're not going to expect him to put even any union member on there, but it's even, it's even more a slap in the face to the working people. You know, what about working people? It doesn't have to be a union person, but where are the working people? You know, you see, look, and I have respect for some folks on that list. You know, uh, I deal with them. They have a job to do, but there there's it, the other, you know, the other side of that is, did you notice it? Was there anybody from Tennessee OSHA on that list? You know, so where, where are the workers concerns? You know, where are, where are we with really and truly putting people back to work? Look, I understand that people want to get out. It's beautiful outside. People want to get out and move around. I understand. And, and I do understand people want to go back to work. Some people do. Uh, some people are worried and concerned, but I, you know, it, at the end of the day, if we, if we just rush back in, who's going to be responsible for the end result? You know, who are they going to blame? Who, who's it going to be? And, and, and we, you know, uh, have a choice to make. I, I think one thing that we've seen out of this is it's brought out the good in people. It's brought out the bad in people. And, and we go back to uh, minimum wage and low wage workers. You know, those folks are living day to day, not week to week, like some people would like to think. And so when you, when you start putting pressure on that part of the economy, uh, then people are going to get restless because they, they, you know, you start making life and death decisions because it affects not only yourself, but your children and, you know, and your family. And, and you see it in some of the, the stuff that's going on around the country where people are saying things and doing things that would, you would never expect. You know, worrying about haircuts, and, you know, because I don't have to worry about those things. But, uh, <laughs> but you, you, you know what I'm saying. So I, yeah, well, and, and and you know the 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 skeptic in me 
thinks that on some level, you know, we've seen that self-employed people have had trouble getting benefits now. We've seen the money that was promised to students has not shown up. You know, the people that have lobbyists and special interest groups, they've, they've gotten theirs, but it's the people that don't, that haven't. And you start to wonder, is some of this being done to put the pressure on people to get that go back to work thing going? So Vonda, uh, I'll, go, I'll go to you now. Um, what was your reaction to workers being left out of the economic recovery group? So, you know, especially in a state like Tennessee, it's very important um, that workers are able to go back to work as quickly as possible. But we have to do that in a way that is safe and that does not um, all being home for six weeks, if we go back to work immediately with no safeguards in place, then that exacerbates a, a problem that we're, we're having. So one of the things that <clears throat> the AFL nationally, um, from the local level to the state level to the national level, there are some principles in place to reopen the economy that I think will help to, to move it in a, in a positive direction for workers. And that is just like um, this conversation is about that workers are included at every level of the decision-making process, um, that the decision to reopen the economy is based on science and not on dates, um, that there are um, increases in the access to personal protection equipment. Um, you know, you go in stores, the essential workers, um, their employers should be giving them masks. They should be taking temperatures. They should be making sure that social distance is ensured um, so that those workers remain safe. Um, there should be increases in reliable rapid testing. Uh, we are beginning to see that in Tennessee. Um, in many of the counties throughout the state, we saw long lines where people are able to go take a test, not just if you're sick, um, but we're going to have to be able to ramp that up in order to open the economy in a way that's safe for workers. So those are some of the things that I'm not sure that um, the folks that are advising Governor Lee are making sure are part of the recovery process, and that's why they need folks like me and Billy there to make sure that they're doing this thing right. Right, because, because otherwise you have only one side of the conversation. You have the side of the conversation that says, let's get back to work. And if you don't have the other side of that, which is okay, but how do we protect ourselves? How do we make sure that we don't do this too fast and have a relapse, which is frankly the worst possible thing for business right. and for the economy? You know, it doesn't seem like they necessarily have that part of the conversation. And we've already seen through the course of the decision-making process that they have not been forthcoming with a lot of the information. Their PPE decisions were, you know, he, he came out and said, oh, we haven't done makeshift in Tennessee. Well, the Tennessee Department of Health had been telling doctors to strap diapers on their faces before that. So it's hard to really trust anything we're being told right now. And it would be nice to have workers in this conversation or workers reps. And in other countries, that's how it works. I don't think people realize that in other countries, workers have a much stronger voice. For instance, in Germany, workers have board seats at these companies so that when downturns happen like this, workers feel heard and they're much more willing to give and, and participate in 
the downturn as opposed to this where we have this much more adversarial relationship. So, you know, there are other ways to do things here. And that brings me to one of the things that I wanted to ask you both about. Not too long ago, we had the UAW go on strike. Uh, and one of the first things that GM did was cut their health insurance off. What do you think this virus has told us about employer-based insurance as the answer moving forward to our healthcare woes? To me, it has exposed that argument as insufficient, to put it mildly. And is that something that we should take off the table and, and we should be pushing for a more uh, organic universal healthcare system? I, I thought that G even before the virus, the GM situation really showed us that we need to take that ax out of the hands of bosses and not let them cut off people's health insurance. So is employer-based insurance the answer? So um, what, I, what I believe is that um, this virus and the strikes um, have exposed a, a fault line. It has shown that um, when, when folks get laid off and the first thing that happens is they lose their health care, um, then that prevents them from being able to go to the doctor and creates even a larger health emergency for, for everyone. So definitely the delivery of healthcare and how we do it in this country, um, this has caused us to have to, to look at it in a, in a much different way. Um, COBRA, COBRA is too expensive when folks get laid off and they have to pay COBRA. That should definitely be a part of what is included in the stimulus, is a way for people to have some way of continuing their health coverage while they're not working. So, you know, in the short term, we need to find ways to make sure that everyone has access to health care. Um, in the longer term, we need to find a different way of making sure that everyone has um, access to health care when they're sick. That's a basic right. Billy, I'm gonna to go to you next. I just want people to know we could see their comments. Uh, Zoe K says she's all for universal healthcare. I see Justin Leslie's watching. Thank you all for watching. We've got about 100 people watching live, which is a pretty good live streaming number. Most people usually watch this after the fact. And uh, I see a couple other people saying, are there any health officials or doctors on this advisory board? I believe there are. So keep your questions coming. I appreciate them. If we don't get to them on air, we can always go back and answer them in the comments. Billy, what do you think about the healthcare answer and what we've learned now about employer-based insurance? Well, I, I think, you know, from a union perspective, Justin, you know, that gets to be such a touchy thing because of all that's been given up to make sure that union members have good healthcare. Uh, do I believe we need to move towards universal healthcare? Absolutely. Uh, do, do I also believe, like Vonda, that, that what we've seen is a, uh, a fault in the system when all of a sudden we have such a huge uh, unemployment increase that there's no way for folks to have health care during those periods? Uh, and, and it goes back to, you know, there should be a system in place in this country, the richest country in the world, when people have adversity, they shouldn't have to struggle to have health care. And, you know, and, and it, and, you know, we, you know, we, and I, I'll be honest with you, Justin, I'm surprised companies haven't pushed for universal health care. You know, I, uh, Vonda, you know, back all the way to 2009, we were in negotiations 
uh, I, I think uh, the company uh, said it's somewhere around $55 million they spent for healthcare over a, a, a three year period. That's $55 million that could be used to reinvest into the, into the factories in other places. And, and I'm surprised companies haven't, you know, told the federal government, look, you know, uh, we, we can use this money to reinvest in this country and not have to use taxpayer dollars. We can use our own dollars. Warren Buffett calls the healthcare system in America, the tapeworm on American business for that exact reason. Other countries, their businesses don't have to pay health insurance for their employees. Imagine what you could do with that money. I completely agree with you. There is a business argument for something like Medicare for all or universal healthcare. There's a guy everybody should follow. His name is Wendell Potter. He used to work for Cigna as a health insurance executive, and he used to make the arguments that they continue to make. He realized that he was arguing against people so strongly. He is now a Medicare for all advocate. Uh, he he's, runs a group called Businesses for Medicare for All. Exactly what you're talking about. Where are the businesses in this conversation? It's time. It's time to start thinking more forward thinking. It's time to think outside the box. This virus has given us a chance to have these conversations, and I hope people will take it. We can't go back to normal like Billy started this conversation saying normal is gone. There is no normal anymore. Uh, one more question for you guys. I won't keep you forever. Let's say we go back to work and people start getting sick. Workers start getting sick at their jobs. What recourse do we have, do businesses have, do, do workers have, if that starts to happen, what, what can people do? You know, because we're now moving into a time frame where, okay, businesses are open, so theoretically the stimulus and these things are gonna stop uh, pertaining to the workers. What recourse will workers have, non-union and union workers? So I, I would say that that's why, um, this recovery has to be based on data and not a date. And that when you do identify hot spots like have been identified here at Tyson um, and at a few other workplaces, that you do social tracing, make sure that folks are able to access tests. And perhaps sometimes you have to back down the lever of, of folks returning to work. Perhaps you have to um, spread out the shifts so that you don't have as many people in the workplace at one time. So you can social distance. I think that employers and union reps and places where they don't have unions, workers are going to have to, in partnership, think through how to keep workplaces um, as safe as possible. Billy, how about you? What, what would you say to workers as we go back to work here? Uh, if people start to get sick, what recourse do they have? Or is this just the kind of thing where we're at the mercy of the gods? And, and, I, and I think you're right, Justin. I, I think that uh, workers are being uh, the bait to see if this thing's going to work. Uh, if it works, people are going to say, see, I told you. You know, it's all great. It never was as bad as we thought. But if it doesn't work, the workers are going to pay the price. We're going. We're going. We we've always paid the price. Uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things. And, and Justin, you know, and I said this. 
you know, you hear that thing. I'm just glad I got a job, you know, and I, and I, I hate that. I hate that. I've said this before. We've been conditioned, especially in the South to say, Oh, we're just glad we got a job. Uh, but there's time for us now to step back and say, you know what, it's, it's more to have a job. It's to have a life and, and to not be put in a situation where you know, you're going to put me at risk and my family at risk, your family at risk, your children, your grandchildren and, and your mothers and fathers just to go to work. Uh, and, and so I'm hoping that this goes well and I'm hoping that, uh, people will get what they need when they go back to work, that there'll be testing, like Vonda said, uh, maybe spreading the hours out, doing things so that people can stay safe. Uh, we better all pray that that's how it works. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, sorry. I, I think that's, that's re really true. You know, we, we definitely, it's the workers that have the most to lose. Um, and what we've seen over the course of this virus, just the last month and a half, we've seen workers sort of realize their strength. And we've seen strikes even pop up in certain places, Amazon, for instance, and there were a couple others, I think Kroger's. And people I saw saying, well, this isn't the time for that. Actually, this is the time for that. You know, right now is when workers need to realize that their strength and, and, and operate from a place of strength. And, and what that means is, you know, realizing that we have value, what our worth is and, and doing it together. And that's why, you know, being a union is all about solidarity and togetherness because that's the only way you can get anything done. You know, and what, and what I always try to, when I have this conversation about unions, I mean, you know, everything's a mixed bag. You know, I get that sometimes unions abuse their power, but on balance, you know, workers need to have a voice and that's what unions are. And most of the time I'm arguing with somebody who is an, a fan of sports. And what I would say is imagine if there was no players union and you're, you, if you're an NBA fan and, and the NBA players weren't participating in the upside of those leagues and were still making nothing while these leagues were making exorbitant amount, amounts of money, workers need to feel like the players in that equation workers need to feel like they have value just like the players in those leagues have value because these companies don't go anywhere without workers. So, you know, you wouldn't ask your favorite athlete not to participate in the upside of those leagues and you shouldn't ask workers not to participate in the upside of these companies. And we've seen companies grow exponentially over the course of the last few decades and workers and the medium wage, median wage has not. And so we can't let that go on. And, and so that's why I appreciate your voices in this whole thing. Just as some, some last words of wisdom here, Billy, what, what do you feel like saying to the workers out there that might be watching? Well, I, I, I think the most importantly is, is that no matter what happens, you know, we're going to be here for you, regardless of whether you're union or non-union. And, and we're going to continue to push people like myself and Vonda uh, yourself, Justin, and we appreciate what you do and what you've been doing, but we're going to, we're going to keep fighting the fight. Uh, you know, I always thought when I got older, I was going to retire, but it seems like the older I get, uh, the more I want to fight at times. Now I'm, I'm a little more, uh, uh, calm in some of my reactions as opposed to when I was young, but that's what our young folks are for. Our young folks have got that fire. We, we have to be the ones, the elders that, 
that guide them in the right directions and, and get working people where they need to be. And we're going to get them there. It's coming. How about you, Vonda? Some last words for folks? So I would say that um, workers, there are rights that workers have, regardless of whether you have a union or not. And folks should spend some time uh, during this time educating themselves about their rights. Uh, when we stand together collectively, uh, we can, we have the power to change things. We can and we will And this um, pandemic has shown us, uh, it's really created a path forward for us because now we know what the fault lines are and where we have much work to do, so. Absolutely, well, I thank you both for what you do. I see Robert Schooner made a comment I just wanna hit on real quick. He said, cruel capitalism for the poor, socialism for the rich. That's exactly right. It's capitalism, greed for everybody else, and then for the rich, it's socialism. Look at what's happening. The market started to tank. They started pumping trillions of dollars in to businesses. So that whole socialism uh, refrain, they use it to attack unions, they use it to attack healthcare. It is bullshit. And <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna use kid gloves with that anymore. Uh, they love socialism when it helps them. They don't mind bailouts for farmers, they don't mind bailouts for companies. And, and then they turn around and tell us that we're, you know, socialists because we want to help each other out. It, everything requires a balance. We don't want real socialism. We don't want only capitalism. This is about a balance and finding that balance. And so I ask people when they yell socialism at you, when they're talking about unions or talking about anything else, you know, don't, don't take that. Don't listen to that. That's old. It's boring. And it's time to move forward and move past that stuff. So Thank you both for what you do. And uh, maybe we can come back on and talk about the next time Governor Lee gives workers the shaft. Look forward to it. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting me. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.